Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. So today I'm here with Sue Geyer, and Sue is a speaker, a coach, a consultant, an author, an MBA instructor at the Wharton School at University of Penn, no less. <laughs> and I met Sue during my days at the chamber. And honestly, Sue, I remember looking up, I think I was signing, we were signing people in, and my first recollection <laughs> of you you walked up and I thought oh, it was a spark. You have a spark. Mm. So thank you for bringing that spark oh, to the Soulful Connections you. podcast. I love that. Yeah, you did. You just like, you know. I used to be called Spunky growing oh. up. But by, yeah, I could uh, call you Sparky. <laughs> you could call me Sparky. I like that. Smiley, Spunky, Sparky. Those are my three nicknames. Love that. There you go. Um. So let's just jump into what I noticed when I looked at your website, you okay. talk a lot about, it says re redefining success. Yes. Does success need to be redefined? What oh. does that mean? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I think it does because if you, and this kind of annoyed me, to be honest, if you go to the Merriam Webster dictionary, it defines sex success as the achievement of fame, wealth, prestige, sometimes respect, nothing about fulfillment, wow. nothing about happiness. I was a little shocked, to be honest with you. And what I'm finding is that happiness, and you know, a lot of people go like, oh, happiness but this sense of being happy with who you are happy with your work happy with your relationships is really important and we knew this before the pandemic but even since the pandemic people are are choosing to to work less uh work differently uh do things that align more with what they want out of life and i think that we really need to redefine that um, and also define success more internally versus externally. I love that so much because how many times do you see somebody who, you know, something sad happens or they're not happy and you think they have it all, like what's going mm -hmm. on? They have it all. They have a nice house and a nice car. and they're So it, it does say there's something else that maybe right. we're not all tackling. Right. And I think that nice house and that prestigious whatever is what I have started to call the success bully. Mm. It's that loop, you know, that goes on in your head that, oh, if I don't do this, somebody's going to think that, or what will somebody else say? Or even in society, 
that I remember worrying about what preschool I was sending my kid to. Cause I was like, oh my God, is it that big of a deal? What preschool? Yeah. Right. You know, and you know, are people going to judge me because I choose this one over that one? And <laughs> thankfully I, I've sort of grown out of that, although still catch myself often yeah. in, in checking in with whose definition of success am I subscribing to? I love that. I think we get little tests throughout the day, actually. I know I do. You know, I think I'm good. And then I something happens. And I'm like, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> That's part of so life. Is this kind of like, a, does this kind of delve into your should? My mom always talks about the tyranny of should. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that you talk a lot about should. Yes. What is that all about? Yeah. And, and, and it's out there. You probably heard, you know, stop shooting on yourself. So yeah, yeah, it's, which is kind of clever and kind of funny, Uh but it's that it's a doing something because you think you should do it instead of truly wanting to do it and desiring to do it. Or the highest level is choosing what you want. That's the highest level of vibration and be feeling like you're in control. So it's where, oh, I should go to whatever it is that I'm going to that party, even though I am tired and I would be happier staying home in my slippers. Um, and it, and you, and there's times where you need to do things and that's right. okay. And you just weigh uh, am I all of a sudden doing everything because I feel like I should and I now have lost track of what I choose or want to do? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I mean, mean, sometimes, yeah. yeah. I mean, You're we not need to do what you want. <laughs> we, need to do our tax. we need to do our taxes. We should get them done. Yeah. <laughs> wants to do them. But there are things in life that we need to do. So that's, that's, that's right. different. It's more about, am I making a lot of choices because I feel like I need to... Um, uh, please someone else. Exactly what I was thinking. It kind of dovetails into what you were just talking about. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? Well, I should put them in this preschool because that looks better, you Mm -hmm. know, a hundred percent. And I do think you divest yourself. If you're really doing work on yourself, you divest yourself of that. But I don't know that we all, I don't know that many of us completely divorce ourselves from it which is why I guess awareness is so important yeah I made a big miss on this years ago which is when I came up with the term success bully I was at a retreat center with a lot of great people and we were doing a whole kinds of fun stuff you know team building which I love and getting you know using scarves to get out of a circle and blindfolding um, you know, taking a partner blindfolded down a, a dirt road with trust and everything else. All great. And I knew there was going to be a zip line at this, at this retreat center because everybody was excited about the zip line. And I've done zip lines in the past. And they were all asking me the day that morning, are you going to do it? I, I don't know. I have no idea because I do have a healthy fear of heights. Um, so we got to the center and we did all the other stuff. And then we got to the zip line place. And you know how normally you walk up a ladder, you get on the platform and you zip line off. I probably could have done that. 
This one, you had to climb up metal spikes up the side of a tree first to get to the platform. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And then jump off. So I wasn't really into all that. <laughs> um, so, uh, but everybody else was, and they were going and everybody was getting there and everybody was succeeding. And so until it was my turn and I should, this is what I should have chosen to do differently. I should have chosen to say, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I have shoulder surgery. I, there's no reason my feeling of success for myself wouldn't have changed by my ability to jump off a platform and go for a 10 second ride. Right. Not who I am. Doesn't define, doesn't go, woohoo. I, I uh -huh. conquered that. It, that's just not my thing. Same thing with the fire walking, all of that. Instead, I tried to climb it. And um, this is part of my, my new keynote called Redefining Success. And so I'll, I'll, for anyone that's going to see that, that's fine. I will, I will give you the, the punchline, which is at the end. I did not succeed and I got stuck and I had to climb down. I hurt my shoulder. Oh. Uh, the whole day was part of a documentary. So as soon as I came down, <laughs> uh, hammers and a microphone was shoved in my face. Oh my Lord. Crying. Um, and I was like, holy, mm. Um, if I had had my own car, I probably would have left, but I didn't, um, I did stay. But in that moment, I was like, what did you just let happen, Sue? And I was like, you let yourself be success bullied. It was oh. their definition of success. Like they were all excited and, and that was great for them. And that yeah. made them feel successful. It wasn't my definition. For um, sure. Right. Now I did stay the rest of the day and I did climb some other things because I wanted to that was a success for me. Supporting my other teammates was success for me. Um, being with others was success for me. And then as I reflected on why could I do the zip line the first time, other than the fact that I wasn't climbing a tree and not this time. And the first time I went was with my daughter. She was about nine. It was Girl Scout camp. And we were at the top of the platform. She had gone off number times with friends and I'm standing there and I'm almost frozen in place like this one. And I almost didn't go. And she looks and she says, mommy, it's okay. You can, you don't need to go if you're scared. Right. And so mama bear, who's like, I have to be a role model for my daughter because that was what I value. And that would be successful is showing that you can be scared right. and still do things. And so then I jumped off and I was successful that, but it was a totally different reason for doing the zip line. I did the zip line only because everybody else told me I had to. Yeah. And you know what I love? It's 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 a huge success that you have a child who looked at you and said, you know, you don't have to do this. Mm. To me, the fact <laughs> that you raised a little girl who says that, I mean, that's kindness is one of hers essences <laughs> okay so let's jump into that because we're talking about team and so the other um the time I got to know you even better mm. I worked at the chamber of commerce and we were kind of disparate as a team and so you came in and said hey I'll meet with each of you um to talk about essences mm. and it was mind-blowing it really was mind-blowing to me on many many levels yes can you talk about what is that, first of all? So 
and it took me a long time to exactly figure out at what level this is. So my paradigm is that, well, I'll start with, we all know that values are important in our lives. We live by values. We support values. They drive who we are. And we know that values change over a lifetime. Some people think like, I have this values. It's always been my values. There's a lot of research that shows that that is not true. Our values change over our lifetime. And even with the environment and the people that we're with. So it can change within a day, even what you value. So about, oh gosh, gotta be 18 years ago, I started exploring and quite frankly, somewhat channeled this process called core essence. And what I found was there is what I call your inner DNA. And in my paradigm, there's three elements of it. In other paradigms, there's others. And one is your oxygen. Some people call it their fuel. And that's what drives you. It's your passion, your motivation. And when you don't have it, you feel like you're you're in a box or as many people feel this in the, if they're in the wrong job, um, lack of motivation. You can also be an overdrive in your oxygen. The second is your lens is how you see the world. It's how you show up in the world. It's, this is the one I find that partners, personal or business partners, if they have a misalignment of lens, they have different visions for the relationships, for the business. Now it doesn't mean that they can't stay together. It just means they need to understand that somebody's coming from a different perspective and see that. So understanding that gives you a great deal of information. And the third level is your anchor. It's what grounds you. It's the deepest one. It's the one that is often triggered. And when it's triggered, you get angry, frustrated, off balance. It's when you feel adrift, something is out of alignment. But when all three are in alignment, it's when you're in flow. It's like yeah. best life. Um, it's understanding. And I always, when I work with people, once they understand them, we work with them in their marketing, we work with them in their business, but also personally, personal relationships and self-relationships, you can make small tweaks to understand how to get you back in alignment. See, I love this so much because first of all, I don't remember which was which for me. So I know it was connection, kindness, and transformation, but I don't remember right at the moment. Kindness was your anchor. Okay. Which makes sense because when you said that, first of all, what was stunning for me was that it wasn't everybody's anchor. Mm -hmm. And so what really helped me so much, I was looking at the world or I would look at social media or just what was happening in business. And I would think, oh, I just need to show them that <laughs> this isn't kind. <laughs> and, and they will make a difference. <laughs> they will change. Yes. And it was frustrating because I would be showing them like, are they not seeing this? And then when you did that, I went, Oh, that's not every, it could be security. It, I literally don't know how I got through life, not knowing that that wasn't everybody's anger, but mm -hmm. I did. So I feel like one of the important values is to understand this is mine. It's really important to me. Yeah. And also it might not be yours. Yes. Yes. Mine is my anchor. And I always say it's the one that bites me in the butt is fairness. I cognitively know the world's not fair. I know that everyone's not going to treat each other fairly. It's not justice. It's really treating each other fairly. And so if I start feeling out of balance, I take ownership for that. And I still not, might not um, dismiss you if you've, if you've treated me unfairly, but I will take ownership that the reason that I'm getting so upset is because it's a trigger 
And then how do I manage that with whatever situation or person caused me to feel that way? Well, this was life-changing for me. It really was. It really helped me understand myself. It helped me understand other people. And is it something you created? I was like, yes. where did you, like I swear, I started to look Googling essences. I'm like, <laughs> where is this? Where did she get this? No. So it, I created, well, I aligned it. And part of it is also the intuition. So what happens in those sessions is why I haven't been ever able to train anyone else is the deep level of intuition intuition that happens. So not only do we get to your essence, but if something else message, because I do a centering first, has to come in, the message that is is out there for you, that comes in as well. So the, and it's interesting because I call it the essence and then I started Googling and looking at it and saying, oh, other people are calling it the essence of who you are as well. So their paradigm is a little different. And but it's very interesting because people who've taken multiple personal development assessments, um, especially strength finders, strength finders and mine align really well. Oh, interesting. Um, and I love strength finders. Very, very, very different information, mm -hmm. but align really well. And other hmm. people have gone through other processes and go, Oh, this is that piece that makes this piece make sense. Um, yeah, I especially think it makes sense for, um, partnerships, uh, as well as, yeah, just understanding your relationships with others. Like you said, just knowing that you're, and I always say to everyone, essences aren't good or bad. They just are. Yeah. And I have found that people with like essences get along better. And those that have some that aren't just need to work a little harder. Yeah. Uh, but I truly think that they are unique. I've in, gosh, I've done this now probably 18 years, maybe, and hundreds, maybe a thousand of them. No two people have had the same essences. Interesting. No I mean, it makes sense. It really actually makes sense. Yeah. What I'm also wondering, so you, in your job and in your life, you deal with huge corporations yes. like the biggest yeah and you also deal with individuals and you yeah. also teach and you deal with students yep. and you also do so much with band and with your own kids so you deal with kids yep is there any kind of um like a a through line that you can kind of think that there's yes so it so goes with my essences so my oxygen is teaching oh so, and you know, the flip side is that is learning. So that's why I'm a lifeline learning, but everything I do has that teaching element. Uh, I didn't even know about my essences. And when I was in corporate and one, uh, I was a, I'm a speech pathologist by background and I was doing an interview and uh, of a new hire and one of my clinical supervisors at one point I had 85 staff and one of my clinical supervisors, as we left the interview goes, do you ever stop teaching? She said, do you know how much you taught that? Whether we hire them or not, do you know how much you just taught that person in that interview? And so wow. I didn't understand essences yet um, at that point, because uh, this is probably 20 some years ago, <laughs> <laughs> 25 plus years ago. Right. Uh, but yeah, so teaching is probably my through line. And the other through line is how I see the world, which is transformation, which we share. We um, do. And that is, although I have to go back and look, but I believe I wouldn't be surprised if connection is how you see the world and transformation is what 
um, is your purpose and driven? I'll have to listen because I still have the recording. Yeah, of our I'll, conversation. I'll find yeah. it. Um, yeah. I mean, they all work so closely together. Yes. But for me, I am always looking on how to make something just a little bit better. Just yeah. I reframe things constantly. It's what I'm able to do for my clients. Well, have you looked at it this way? Same thing for my students. Yes, you're seeing it this way. And what if we looked at it this way? So I'm always making those transformations. So I would say my teaching and transformation are in a through line, everything I do. If I can make somebody a little bit better, a little bit happier, a little bit whatever, that is a good day for me. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel that same way. When I go to bed, I will have hoped that transformation somewhere on some level with someone even myself has yep. occurred. Yep. That's um, why actually, I, that's why for some reason I believe it's your oxygen and you see the world through connections because you make connections so easily. You are one of the easiest person that connects one person to the next and you connect ideas so fast too. Oh, interesting. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like connection is something that's just a, in my yep. cells or something. That's what your essence is. It's, it is. It oh. The essence defines who you are. So a lot of people will choose like family, especially women will choose family as mm -hmm. a value. And this is a very deep dive value exercise. We start with values and it's not that that's not important, but it doesn't define who you are. The essence is in your cells. Literally it defines who you are. You couldn't be who you were without it, without, you know, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I also think that I don't know, it's a whole different discussion, but I think that women have also been instructed on a level to feel that family is yeah, ev everything. And I'm probably saying that wrong because it is everything on some right. level, but also, oh you know. Yeah. And and same thing, I've made many decisions because like I started my own business because I wanted to be at home with my kids. I have taught them at certain levels. I included them in my business. Everything I do is around my family. And at the same time, that my family doesn't define who I am at the core. I love that. Right? I love it. Yeah. I can value the heck out of them. And at the same time, it doesn't define who I am. And so, right. and that's when I talk about define, when we go back to the happiness, I created like a three level model. And the first is define what success looks like for you and then align it with what you value. And then the one that you do is decide, which you do, Amanda, all the time design your life intentionally. And so I think that all kind of blends together. When you come out with your book, girl, the next I one, oh yes, I need, I, I, I will sit my butt down and start. Re I, so for the last three years, I've had the outline, the outlines on my whiteboard downstairs. I know all the chapters I have spoken about it. I should just go to every podcast that I've spoken about and just finish it up. Yeah. Yeah, because it's going to have a prominent <laughs> place on my shelf. And I I want it signed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so when you, um, so you're teaching your MBA instruction, is mm -hmm. that business? That it's communication. So, communication. Yes. Right. So a lot of the work that I do in corporate is not the intuitive, although I bring that all the time, but I don't speak about it as much in corporate. Um, but at the MBA level, and I also do a little bit of Georgetown every once in a while, but uh, at Wharton, I teach management communication. And right now I also teach crisis communication. 
Um, yeah. So, and then I also teach the executive MBAs. So it's a, that's a blend, but management communication is around persuasion. So understanding how to effectively create a message, words matter. And it's interesting in our, if you want to have influence, you need to be able to communicate a message that impacts and persuades. Persuade is not a dirty word. People think of it as manipulation. It's not. Persuasion is creating movement that is for the good of both. Uh, and so I teach a level of persuasion. And then in the spring, like right now, I teach crisis communication, which is so much fun. Is it really? What makes it fun? Crisis is anything that disrupts the normal work day. So we think of big crises, but crises is the mm. and crisis. The word crises means choice. And so companies have a choice when they're in, in this place of disruption or crises. And so understanding the people that you're going to impact with your messaging, understanding the people that need to be taken into account, understanding how your actions uh, affect people, both actions and words, uh, and then crafting messages, not to get out of trouble. That's not the message at all, but it's really crafting messages that explain a story of who your company is. And if you're at fault, how you're going to take responsibility. And if you're not at fault, what you're still going to do to take responsibility for the impact of whatever's happened on the people it's affected. So now you're making me think, you know, you instruct on communication. A lot of what you do with companies, it's so much communication based. Communication and leadership. Yep, yep, yep. You were a speech pathologist. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, don't I remember your voiceover <laughs> professional? I did get I... during 2020, the COVID, you know, when we were all home. I did get trained as a voiceover artist. Haven't done much with it, but if anybody out there needs a voice, would love to. I have my demo tapes of some pretty good commercials and some pretty good narration. So I would love to. Yeah, that was just that. Fun to use my voice, and it was right after I'd had surgery, which impacted. That's what I was remembering. I was going to say uh, all this communication and voice, and didn't you have surgery? Was it where on your voice? It was. It was well. It went through my. So it was on my. It was, I had a parathyroid, so behind the thyroid tumor, okay. that thankfully was removed just before we all shut down for 2020, um, because I was very sick unknowingly. Uh, and so, yeah, it impacted, it's really interesting. It impacted breast support It impacted endurance It impacted just the ability to project. And so my voice got tired really fast, but I built that back up. But- Were you scared because of you're so focused on voice and communication and speech? Uh, I knew it would come back. I had an excellent surgeon. I was scared probably beforehand that they're, you know, cause they're going, there could have been an impact, but she was an excellent surgeon. And um, I just had to get patient with, it took me longer to, re- it took me longer than I thought. I, my surgery was in January and I probably didn't have full use of my voice for six months, which had we not been 2020 and maybe I was doing professional speaking like I do and, doing more stuff that might've been more of an impact. Um, I went back to teaching within a week. Uh, all the timing is. Yeah. Had amazing. all my stuff, but uh, yeah. So. Yeah. 
that that's incredible. Um, so I know that recently, yes, you have experienced loss, tremendous loss. You've lost your dog sailor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We're bringing it up because you know, um, and I know how much you had a, a really unusual and incredible bond that I am quite confident people can relate to. Yes. Yes, we did. You lost your mother. Yep. Recently. Three, three days ago. Yeah. Three days ago. So I, I just wanted to ask, you know, how you're coping. You know, this is a lot of, you know, your voice, surgery, you come back, you've been caretaking. And then these losses, A, how are you? And B, what are your coping mechanisms? Would you mind sharing? Well, yeah. First of all, thank you for asking. Um, and Amanda, you are a dear friend. You allowed me some time to talk before we got on. Uh, so Sailor is tough for me. Uh, Sailor was almost 16. Sailor was a rescue dog who a foster mom got an hour before he was supposed to be euthanized down in Kentucky and who, as soon as we met, knew that we were meant to be together. Um, we're together over 13 years. Everybody who saw us knew that. I used to talk plain English and my vet was like, yeah, he understands you. I don't really think dogs could until the two of you. And, you know, he was struggling. And so, yeah, part of my heart is gone. And I'm, I am, it's tough with that. The only thing that helps me with that is knowing that it was the right time for him because he was also not being able to be the joyful, you know, he wasn't mean at all, but he was starting to be scared of going, you know, on the deck and things like that because he just couldn't walk as well as he wanted to. And he was falling, he was falling way too much. And I just felt that was too painful for him. So I am remembering the times that I have with him. I am taking it day by day for him. And then my mom, <laughs> um, the only comfort, I'm a still a little numb on that one. I think that's going to hit me in a little bit. Um, sure. but my mom had a really good life. She was 89. Um, she was ready. She and my, my son was helping to take care of her. She was still in her home, um, in her apartment where she had been for almost 17 years. She had a lovely two bedroom apartment. That's where she died in her sleep in her bed, which is what she wanted which I'm very thankful for um, the exactly one year my son had been with her doing lunch and dinner and taking her out and just sh him sharing memories with her and just them, you know, being that support for her. So he had a special year with her and she had a special year with him from which I'm blessed. I have a fantastic brother who I'm very, very, very close with. He's a couple hours away, but we're very, very close so I'm leaning in on that and you and I share this and I'm a task oriented person. So the way yes, that, yes. I'm like, okay, I got these tasks to do yes. and still do this. Um, this, I was supposed to have next week off. And so I'm doing that still. And so this week I'm still working um, and still being. And so I just compartmentalize, you know, yeah. when I can, yeah. and then cry a lot otherwise <laughs> right and go live through I mean you know it's interesting when you were talking about sailor mm. both times before we got on the podcast and just now 
I swear when you talk about getting him and finding him and connecting with him, I get chills all over every yeah. single time. I just get chills. So yeah. I, I just, I know, um, that's powerful. And maybe that, maybe that love somehow lifts us somehow through it because that connection just, it, it just changes perhaps yeah. it, it's just not physical anymore, but you know, it, it changes. It, it and I thank you for saying that. And I think for both of them, and I shared with you this before, like all of my kids and my husband and I were able to be with Sailor. Sailor went to each of my kids almost as if he was saying goodbye, laid down really comfortably next to me, knowing. And it felt like he was ready. Like he was almost yes. saying, thank you, I'm ready. Um yeah. And, you know, at, at that point, it was more about me. And I think the same thing with my mom, we had had a conversation re very recently where she basically said, you know, I want to die in my bed. Um, and gosh, darn, didn't she a couple of days later? <laughs> so like, yeah, chooses something, I guess she chooses something. Um, <laughs> and it was, you know, it was more, and I basically mm. had said to her, I'm okay. I'll be okay. Um, wow. And, you know, my brother had time with her. So like, I think there's peace in putting yourself outside of the circumstance at times, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And I think it sounds like you and your family really, um, you know, close in mm -hmm. and that has to be a very powerful approach. And I mean, I think sometimes we do let there's no escape of it when you love you yeah. and you lose, you grieve. That's just yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. My middle son, same thing. He came down for one day when sailor died. He came from Pittsburgh on a Greyhound left that night. So he had a long round trip. He was home for three wow. hours and then came down on Sunday when he found out about my mom just to be here and then left on wow. Monday. So yeah, he just, uh, like, you don't have to come here. He goes, yes, I do. I just need to be there. Like wow. he needed to be here with us. Yeah. And so I think that that also speaks to one, the relationship with the dog and my mom and just each other. Just, yeah, you know, I agree. You know? I agree. That's yeah. not, you know, always the way. And, um, and you know, what you've been talking about since we started the podcast is really also about listening to yourself and being aware and tuning in. Yep. yep. And I guess this is no different. No, it's, it's kind of like we talked about when we talk about the essences is leaning into my essence. For me, it's, I notice like, how am I making things a little bit better for myself or others in this situation as I yeah. call people and let them know and, and everything. And what do I need to learn? Like I'm, I'm flipping yeah. the teaching for myself, you know, who am I impacting and teaching and like, even still doing this podcast today, I was like, I I'm going to be here with Amanda. And, and I know that this was going to be joyous for me to be here. Uh, and it even being in that, this moment, um, is helpful for me and hopefully Thank for you. others. Right. Because, you know, we just don't get, a, we just don't get through life without this experience, you know, on some yeah. level. Yeah. Um, and to, to turn it inward and say, okay, what am I learning? For me, that is a helpful um, part of all of it. Everything, everything yeah. that happens. Exactly. Um, and so you're so inspiring. 
I'm always inspired <laughs> by you. I am. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> Thank you. Where do you seek inspiration? Where do you go for inspiration? Is it books? Is it writing? Is it nature? Like, what is your source? That's a great question. I think it's a blend of all of those. So it's interesting because I have such a belief that there's this world and there's other, you know, there's beyond, you know, there's so many different dimensions. So I think definitely I get inspired by walks. So going into nature, I also um, have a love hate relationship with gardening. Like I love to garden and move things around. So getting my hands in soil can't wait. Like I'm already starting to look at, you know, spring, hopefully. Uh, and I've more and more started to listen. Your podcast has been an inspiration to me. Oh, really. Thank you. Um, and other, you know, books, and then just sitting down and having conversations with people, I think are very inspiring. Just the, I don't think it's, mm, okay. This is what just came. Um, I don't think I derive inspiration by like the big, ah, oh, it's the little everyday moments that are the, mm. that inspire me to do the next thing, to be the next place. Uh, I also am very inspired when I'm working with someone and they have a huge breakthrough. Mm. Um, and the work that I do, the breakthrough for them is an increase in confidence. I get so excited when somebody feels more confident and more believing in their own abilities. Oh my, like that inspires me. So whether they can speak better or communicate better, an executive sent me, uh, we're changing some mindset stuff. So she sent me a thing and said, um, I just saw this and, and did this. And I was like, yeah, you, you know, that yes. makes me excited when somebody can in incorporate it for themselves and feel more confident in themselves because then they're going to make an impact on the next person they touch. That's what inspires me that each person has a gift to give someone else could give someone else to give someone else. Love it. Um, and then do you have any like favorites, a favorite or impactful? Yeah. You don't have to favorite is like so stressful. People are like, yeah. Oh my gosh, it has to be the best I ever, yeah. but they, you know, impactful books or movies or series or you know, something that twisted the way you thought or redirected you or. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> it, it's probably always the things that I see the latest. So the very first movie that was probably the most impactful, the first one I ever saw in the movie theater was when I was five and that was Mary Poppins. Oh, I love Mary Poppins. <laughs> so Mary Poppins might've been the first one that let me see. And, and the little article I wrote in first grade got me in the newspaper. So it was my first published uh thing was when oh I that's so Poppins. cool that is so that, really so, cool so that's kind of funny I thought I still bring that up from many years ago I get um, that uh I think so this is a woo thing but one of my favorite astrologers is Molly McCord in intuitive astrology um she has impacted how I've thought about a lot of things um understanding a little bit more about that uh Simon Sinek, definitely, because the start with why and because I'm going to do start with who I'm going to do the prequel to his work. So, of course, his work has. Yeah, that's what the next book. So oh. the start with who will really add on, I hope. I mean, that's pretty presumptuous on my part, but I hope on to his work. Hey, his work. Definitely. Away. 
has impacted me. And I don't think that people can know their why until they know their who, which is why the next book is start with who. And I speak about that. So, and I have found that a lot of people will come to me and say, I wish I knew my purpose or my why. And, and that's why we start with who, and then they can figure out their why. I really love it. And actually I love your Mary Poppins reference because <laughs> I, so I loved the movie. And when I was young, I also loved the book, Mary Poppins or books, depending upon how they break it up. I had a big, huge Mary Poppins book, but I love the magic of her. She was, she is kind of you. So because she's <laughs> so magical, but she's very pragmatic as well and smart and, you know, on task and kind. And there's like all of those <laughs> things. I totally get it. I see the parallel. <laughs> I love magic. Anything that has to do with a little bit of magic and understanding magic, I really believe in and love. Me too, because, you know, I, I say this a lot. I've probably said it on the podcast. I say it to whomever will listen, but <laughs> you know, you wake up in the morning. If you wake up, you eat your breakfast, you go to work, you come home, you eat dinner, you watch Netflix, you go to sleep, you wake up, you eat breakfast, you go to work. Like, what is that? <laughs> that's not designing your life with intentionality so that's the big thing is living sending intentions every morning for how you want to live your life that day yes. that's what I do with the first thing when I go to well you know I'm a big hot tub person early in the morning hot tub and so in the hot tub it's like okay not what do I have to do today how do I want to feel today and if we create things intentionally I think magic shows up I love it I love it. Okay. Last question for you, Sue. Mm -hmm. um, if speak of magic, mm. now I am going to give you a magic wand, Ooh. but you only have it for like 30 seconds <laughs> and you can make one change in the world with your magic wand. Mm. What change do you think you would make? That everyone could believe that they are enough just as they are and create, create their own successful lives. Love it. Perfect. Because I think then, can... I, yeah, then, wow, what we could do if we could be, you know, yeah. in, that every single person can create a successful life. I think that they wouldn't have to be as much violence against each other. I just, I just think that we could step into a very different place of being. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So much fun. Always, always, always. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.